All right, Genesis 3 and 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. This is what the devil is lying. That lying devil is lying to Adam and to Eve. Well, really, just Eve because Adam wasn't around. And he said, in the day you eat of this forbidden fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So I guess he was pretty close by. He was just quiet. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. Everybody say naked. They were not covered anymore. They had lost their covering. They had no more covering over them. And that was a major problem of disconnect between them and God. And they sewed thick leaves together and made aprons to cover themselves. They tried to cover themselves in their own ability. And of course, we know that they can't do that. It's not enough. So verse 8 says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Aren't you glad that even when you mess up, God still comes to the garden? Aren't you glad when you make a mistake, Jesus still loves you? I don't know if you caught that right there, but those of you that are in condemnation right now and you think that you messed up and he doesn't want to be with you anymore, he's still looking for you, even with all your issues, even with all your problems, he's still searching for you. He did not make you to get rid of you. He made you to spend time with you. I'm so glad God looks for me when I'm messed up. God doesn't want me. Yes, he does. But I messed up, Pastor. He still wants you. He's still looking for you. And so the Bible says they, they could hear that God was moving through the garden, probably like a wind that was blowing, much like today. And the Bible says they were afraid because they were naked. They knew that they had done wrong. They knew that they had made a mistake. And they had that conscience moment. And they began to hide themselves. Verse 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? How did you find that out? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. The man said it was the woman's fault for the condition of our home. The man said it was the woman's fault for the condition of our our family and marriage. It's all her fault that we're this way. Even though he was the man and he was in charge, and even though God told him to be the charge and the leader, He wanted to cast the blame on the woman. And so, uh, verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, looked at her and said, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I, she said, it was that devil that did it to me. So the Lord God said to the serpent, and he began to now curse them, which means consequence, of course. He gave them consequences for their actions. Because you've done this, you've got to crawl on the ground and eat dust the rest of your life. You're going to lose your legs and crawl on your belly. Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he, Jesus Christ, that's prophetic, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is prophetic of what Jesus would do to crush the enemy's head. Isn't it beautiful how there's prophecy in the very beginning of the Bible? Yeah, because this is not an accident. God planned and foreordained all of this. He knew we would fall. He knows you're about to fall. It's okay. He still loves you. Isn't it cool that God knows I'm about to make a mistake and he still is with me right here, right now? He should leave. You know, you would leave. I would leave, right? We would leave. If I knew that my wife was going to do something, I'd just leave now. I'm not going to let you hurt me. I'm going to hurt you first. God knows we're going to hurt him again. And yet he still loves us. 
This is so beautiful, guys. This is, this is wonderful. I love the first of the Bible. I love God's original intent. And so they're casting blame, and God is throwing out the consequence and saying to the, to the, to the snake, crawl on the ground. You're going to have an issue with humanity. Jesus is going to come and wreck your world. Verse 16, the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you're going to bring forth children. I, I guess that means you would have had kids with no problem, but I don't know. I just know that you're going to have pain in childbirth, ladies. That's part of it. Your desire shall also be to your husband, and he shall rule over you, okay? This is how God set it up because of consequence, is now you'll have to have that headship over you to protect you from future devils that come against you, okay? So that's what he set up here. And then he says, Adam, verse 17, because you listen to the voice of your wife, because you, Adam, listen to the voice of your wife, because you weren't supposed to listen to the voice of your wife. You were supposed to hear from me, and I was supposed to lead you as, as, as the, the father leads the son. You were supposed to hear my voice, not her voice. This is the same Bible in 2022, even though we're, we're in this weird, you know, women-men struggle. It's still Scripture. And I know the world doesn't like it, and the spirit of the age doesn't like it, but we've got to get back to the Word of God. And this is what God originally wanted. He wanted his men to listen to him, and he wanted them to be able to lead their families that simple. And we're going to talk about that some tonight. That's not all, but just some tonight. And so, Adam, you're going to, here's your consequence, okay? Um, you're going to have to, to, because you ate of the tree, I told you not to. You're going to have to, uh, uh, to go to the ground now and work really hard the rest of your life. And anything that you eat, you're going to have to toil for. You're going to have to work for. The rest of your life is going to be difficult for you. You won't get it unless you work for it the rest of your life. It was free. It was free in the garden, but now and so the Bible says, verse 18, a few more, and I'll let you be seated. I know you've had a long day. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. It seems like he just now called her that. That's what it kind of seems like. But also, verse 21, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin. And everybody say he covered them. Okay, I can talk more later after you're seated. Thank you, Jesus. Bless it. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. And God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Once again, I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to try to make this encourage you, bless you, and pull somebody out of hiding tonight so God can bless you, anoint your family, and bless your life. So we know that Adam and Eve messed up. We all know that Adam and Eve messed up. That's very clear. The first thing that I would like to mention tonight is that Eve had a conversation with Satan, and Adam seemingly was not involved in the conversation. God, help me as a husband to be there when my wife is getting weird stuff in her head. God, help me to be present in my family when the devil knows he can go to others besides me in my home and their minds can be wrecked and their emotions can be destroyed and they can question and they can doubt and they can have fear and emotions. God, help me as the man of my home. Help me to be close enough to my wife and close enough to you to where I can, I can get in the middle between, between the enemy and my wife and I can be there to protect her. Because, men, if you lose your wife... She's your greatest helper. See, when you help your wife, you help yourself. Right? Hey, we all know what happens in the home when the woman falls, starts falling apart. Everything falls apart. I mean, dad can go fishing for a week and it's going to be all right. Mom goes shopping for a week, we're done. The whole family's falling apart. We've got to make sure that women are covered and protected. 
Anybody believe that? Any men tonight believe that? All right. Any men believe that women are, are a target for the enemy and that you would defend your wife physically but never spiritually? And we've got to get to the place where we're more protective of our families spiritually than we are physically. We say stuff like, you ain't going to mess with my family. What you mean is physically. But it seems like we don't really care about the spiritual attack that our wives are going through. And we as men have got to get close to God. And we've got to get the enemy out of our homes and say, get out of here. Get out of here. If you're going to talk to anybody in this family, you talk to me. I'll put you straight. I'll set you straight. So Brother Matt Tuttle, a great preacher, and God uses him mightily. And he just recently preached about this. It was so interesting because I, I heard him preaching, I think it was last night, and he brought out this subject in here, and I wanted to highlight it and give him credit for it. This is what he said. In case you don't like it, it's what he said. He said, notice how Adam didn't name Eve until after they were cursed. He gave every other creature identity but his own wife. Yeah, that's what I did when I heard it. I was like, God help me want to go pray he said you're this you're that you're that this woman don't know he said this he said he was spiritually absent and was as much to blame or more than eve and we give eve the rap for being the problem in the relationship but many, many, and more every day, men of God, theologians believe, especially looking at the current status of the world, that it is the man that is always absent that most problems stem from. It's from day one. There was not a man willing to hear from God, to stand his ground, and to live a righteous life so that his family can be protected. He said, notice how the cursing stopped when Adam and Eve, when Adam named Eve, and then the covering started. Notice how as soon as he began to take ownership of who he was, he began to declare, and this is Eve. She is the mother. She is someone special. I know who you are. And notice how the cursing stopped and the covering began. All of a sudden, God said, let's cover them up. Maybe they're starting to figure it all out. So God wants the man of the home to step up and speak out, to not be silent. Notice also in the Bible that there is no commandment for men to be quiet in church. There is no commandment for men to have a silent nature about them. And that doesn't mean verbally not talking in church. Of course, we don't believe that. But the Bible does teach the woman is to have a quiet spirit, which means subordinate to the leadership that's what it means. It doesn't mean not talk. It doesn't mean they don't have a voice. Women prophesy. Women can do all of those things, and they should in submission. Yeah. My wife is very powerfully used of God, but all of that anointing would leave if she was unsubmissive to me. And all of my anointing would leave if I was unsubmissive to my spiritual leaders. Yeah. It's all about covering. It's all about men speaking out. And this is the will of God for men. And I have to agree with him and all the other God-fearing men that are saying the same thing. We need a revival in our men to lead, to take ownership. America is in trouble because of godless men. America is in trouble because of godless, unrighteous men. It's the truth. It's going to hurt our pride. 
It's going to offend our men, especially tough men, especially men who work hard and think that no one can tell them what to do. It's still the truth. The Word of God is real. The Word of God has to be preached even to strong men, even to men that think nobody should boss over them. It's still the Word of the Lord, and we've got to preach the truth. I preach it to myself. God help me. Secondly, they believe the lie of Satan, and they gave in to their selfish nature. He said, God knows that you will be like him if you eat this, and God wants to hold you back. But I want to say to the devil tonight, you are so wrong. You know better. You're a liar. And that statement was a lie. That was your definition, devil, not God's. That statement that he made is not true. It is not true, and we've got to make sure we understand the truth of the identity of God. Our God does not want to take things. He wants to give things. This is what the devil said. If you want to be like God, go take what you want. That's not my God. That's not my God. You don't even know my God. My God built the world for us. My God made a garden for me. My God built me because he wants to give to me, not take from me. I was made for God to give. What can you give a God? You think God needs anything from me? God doesn't need anything from me. God is the giver. The greatest among us is the giver. The one with the most power is the giver, the provider. So the devil lied. The devil said, be like God and take what you want. That's nothing like my God. My God would rather die. My God would rather die than take away something from somebody. That's not the spirit of my God. So when the devil comes to you and starts to whisper in your ear and say, why don't you do this because this is what you deserve. You're strong. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You're handsome. Go get what you want. That's the devil. That's not God. Our God would never convince you to take something from someone. Our God would tell you to give something. So learn the voice of the enemy. It's so important we understand it. Our God is not a taker. Our God is so powerful. Our God does not need anything. Our God is not a taker. Our God is a giver. And the best way to be like our God is to be a giver and not a taker. The, the greatest givers among us are the most close to God, the closest like God. If you're a taker, then it's demonic. If you're a giver, it's godly. That's the truth. That's summed up. Love is giving. How do you define love? How do you define love? Love is giving. Love is giving. Love is giving. Love says, I want you to win. I'll lose for you. Love is giving. This is the true, true meaning of what God wanted to build in the garden was he wanted to reveal to himself that I am a giver. I'm not a taker. God's nature is, is giving. Watch this. That's why Adam and Eve were called the keepers of the garden. Because we only get to be called a keeper because God is the giver. You know why we get to be keepers of God's things? Because God is a giver of God's things. The reason why Adam and Eve are the keepers is because their God is the giver. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for giving to us. So, so let me tell you what Satan sounds like just so we know his voice tonight. Do what's best for you. Pastor, I got to do what's best for me. 
We're not reading the same Bible. Yeah. I got to do his best for me. Is that, how, is that how you pray? Father, which art in heaven, doest thou best for me, whatever's best for me. No, no, he said pray like this, whatever your will is. Oh, let it be done in me. Whatever your, whatever your will is, whatever you want. Well, he's a giver. He's a giver. God's a giver. And so his will is giving, not taking. This is how you know the devil's talking to you because it says voices like this. It says, do what you want. You deserve this. The devil's talking to you. Are they going to treat you that way? Are you serious? You better get even. That's the devil. Go take something from them. You took from me, I'll take from, from you. That's the voice of the devil talking to you. Yeah. Offend others. After all, they would offend you, so go ahead and offend them. Be selfish. They're selfish. The devil's talking to you. Y'all think the devil's talking to you because you see a shadow in your bedroom? Pastor, pastor, there's a shadow in my bedroom. I'm like, he's been talking to you all week. You just now found him. Why is it always I'll be in your bedroom at night? You think the devil just waits for you to go to sleep at night? He's like, now. I'm going to tell you where the devil's really at when you're angry. I'm going to tell you where the devil's really at, the center of your home when the lights are on. When the kids are running around, ain't nobody cleaned up, everything's going crazy, you lost your job. Not at night when you're laying in your bed. The devil's talking to you all week long, and you hear his voice, and unfortunately you're giving in to his voice. I just felt something the Holy Ghost. The only reason why you know there's a devil in your bedroom is because you finally stopped. I just felt the Holy Ghost right there. The Lord just spoke to me and said, the only reason why you know there's a devil coming around is because you finally turned everything off and you got steel. Lift your hands right now in the Holy Ghost. Jesus' name, God, help us to know where the devil is at. Help us to sense him. Help us to have days and times where we sit down and say, I feel something in the room, even though it's not nighttime, even though I'm not busy. I want to sit down, and I want to recognize the spirit coming against my home and the voice against my daughters and my kids and my wife. We're so busy, we can't even find the devil. But he's talking to us, ladies and gentlemen, saints of God. He's talking to us every day. He doesn't just wait for you to go to sleep at night. He's there all throughout the day, whispering. We've got to recognize his voice, church family. We've got to hear his voice. He does talk to you. Look, this isn't super spiritual or spooky. He talks to you. It's not like a, a weird voice. Get off movies. Get off all that mess. It's not some weird voice in your head. It's the inclination to do something that is taking and not giving. That's the voice of the devil. He uses your flesh and he ties to it. That's what he does. The devil talks to us. He does. He wants us to please our flesh. Whatever our flesh wants is what we deserve. The voice of the devil. Ask the voices in your head and temptations if they pass that satanic litmus test that we just did right there. The next time you feel something spiritual happening, let it go through the test. Look, there are, there are two kinds of spiritual things that happen in you, spiritual people. One, it says give. One says take. One is God. One is Satan. The rest of it's not spiritual. It's flesh. Right? So when you feel a little zing of spirituality moving through your mind, that doesn't mean it's of God. 
You have to listen to the language to find out who it's from. You've got to calculate what it's saying, calculate how it makes you feel, calculate what it tempts you to do, and then know if it's of God or know if it's from Satan. I feel like I just have to hover over this right now. He's talking to you. Oh, I know we want to act like he doesn't talk to us. He does. And maybe not he himself. He's got imps that work for him. He's got a network of legions that work for him. And he can send them to your house. He can talk to you right now in this service. He does talk to you. He does. Don't dismiss that. You could be under spiritual attack right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that spirit right now. You may have voices right now in your mind talking to you that it doesn't belong in this church. Not right here and not right now. You don't belong here, enemy. Get out of this territory. This is the house of God, and we're going to preach, and we're going to stand for truth, and we're going to get the minds washed and the minds right. We're going to be a holy place. Yeah, it's real. That's not all you. That's not all you. That's not all God. That's Satan talking to you. You better know it because it can sound a lot like God. You better know it. Thank you, Jesus. The worst thing, though, and what I really felt tonight, is that they, they could have completely avoided it. They decided to hide after they fell and made a mistake. And I just want to make sure it's very clear tonight that falling is not avoidable. You're never going to live the rest of your life so perfect that you don't make another mistake. And you just, you just got to know this about yourself and about others is the greatest among us will make mistakes. But what makes us faithful is not in always our purity, but in our recovery You're going to fall. You're going to make a mistake. If you haven't in a while, just wait till someone makes you mad. I'm glad life's been good for you. Good. But you're going to fall. You got to just stop. You got to get this in your spirit tonight. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to look at someone the wrong way. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to think too quick and not take enough time in prayer. You're going to make a mistake. That is not going to be avoided. But I'm going to tell you what's avoidable. Hiding. I'm going to tell you what makes mistakes worse. Hiding. Sweeping it under the rug. Maybe it will go away. That's the worst thing you could ever do. So first of all, the, the attempt to hide is completely, in my mind, I'm a pretty logical person. It's impossible. You know, if you, if you can just think for a second, can you hide from God? So why are you trying? Thank you, Brother Gary. He's like, you, he's over here having like this epiphany. He's like, you can't hide from God. That's what I want everyone to do right now. You, you can't hide from God, so why are we doing it? Well, I, I know why we're doing it. Because I could lose a position in church. Somebody might think that I'm not super spiritual. What is the power of church members? Spirituality. If you're not spiritual, you have no power. At least you shouldn't have power. You're not, as, I, as long as I'm pastor, you're not have power. Is that all right with y'all? Oh, you want non-spiritual people to be in power? No, okay, make sure y'all got quiet. You're like, whoa. He hasn't said that in five years. Ooh, reverse. We, 
the power, the power of the church, the influence is in people who are spiritual. And you know why we're worried about getting caught? Because we think that when you find out we make a mistake, we lose all the past 10 years of hard work we've tried to prove to everybody that we're spiritual, but you're missing it. We know you're not perfect. Bless your heart. You're a human just like me. And if I pray and preach and do all the stuff I do and still struggle, I know you're struggling. Do you know who's going to get promoted the most in the kingdom? The same in the Bible, the same at AFC. People who confess. Pastor, I don't know if you should be using that person. I know that they've fallen, but you don't know how many times they've not hidden. I'm not near as scared of somebody's mistakes as I am them covering them up. You know what makes pastors safe? Somebody like Omar that says, hey, pastor, just let you know I'm thinking this, going through this, and I'm like, thank you, bro. Let's pray about it. Hey, you know what? You would be great on staff here because I trust you. But he's not perfect. I don't care. Omar, I trust you. That's more, more valuable to me than any other attribute that you have. And the reason God's going to anoint you and use you is because you've been open with me. And if anybody else will be used in this church, it's because you'll be open with me. I'm not afraid of your failures. I'm not afraid of your mistakes. I'm not afraid. I don't, that doesn't bother me. I've done it. And God uses me. You know what I have also done? I've also not hidden. And the reason why I'm anointed and used by God today is not because I've been perfect, but because I have not hidden. Because the quicker you can come out of hiding, the faster you can get recovered again. You're going to fall, but you don't have to hide. Lord, help us in the name of Jesus. I don't have anything fancy tonight. I just had a word from God for us tonight. This church is going to be a transparent church. This is not the church for hypocrites. This is not the church for people that pretend. This is the place you can come to and be real and be restored. There's too many people that have skeletons in the closet and they won't go to church because they're afraid they can't be anything with our past and their mistakes. But on the contrary, if you can come out of hiding and deal with your sins and your secrets, God can fix you, elevate you, anoint you, and use you. Ha, <laughs> ha. Lift your hands right now. We're going to come out of hiding. We're going to come out of hiding. I know what tradition says. I know what religion says to you. But we're going to come out of hiding. Everybody my wife and I have helped have come out of hiding. Everybody we have not helped has hid from us. We've got to come out of hiding. Every single member has come to us with the issue, has gotten better. Every single member who hides and talks behind my back and doesn't deal with the issue, it gets worse. Every single time for the past 15 years, I have watched people ruin their lives because they were too afraid to just come and talk. 
we are going to be a church that trusts each other not to be perfect. Get that out of your mind. To trust each other, to talk without hitting each other, or quitting all the time, or leaving out the room mad, just loving one another, fixing it, talking through it, praying until it fixes. Hey, look, we might not could talk it out. We can pray it out. Tell you right now, you might get in a room with me and we might not configure things out. We might not see eye to eye. I promise you, let's go on a three day fast and pray. I promise you, we'll be hugging each other when it's over. Ain't nothing we can't fix. Woo! Woo! I said, there's nothing that the church cannot fix. We've got every tool. We've got every answer. We've got the blood, the power, the name. You show me something that seems impossible. I'm telling you, it can be restored. It will be restored at AFC. God is going to flood our church with all kinds of problem people. Lord, help us. You better get ready. If you think there's some frustrating folks at AFC right now, you ain't seen nothing yet. I just don't know. There's some folks at AFC I just don't really like. Oh, it gets worse. God hasn't even unlocked the door to, the, to revival yet. God, maybe that's why. God hasn't even unlocked it yet. What are we going to do with all those people? With all their problems and issues. You know what we're going to do? We're going to expose it and still love them. We're going to talk about their sin and look them in the eye and say, but we still love you. I don't care if you've been a homosexual for 25 years, but we still love you. I don't care if you've been doing drugs and you're messed up on your fifth marriage. We still love you. Expose it and cover. I said expose it and cover. Come on, let's worship the Lord right now. We're going to expose it and cover. Come on, bring all the naked people. We've got a covering for them. The Lord just gave me a vision of a naked person walking in. Y'all stay mature with me. God just showed me a vision of a naked person walking in, how it shouldn't even phase us. Come on. I got covering for you. God just showed me a vision of our church in the future, naked people coming in. I'm talking spiritually speaking. And they're going to come in, and what should be awkward, what should be shame, <laughs> will give us purpose. Because we've got covering and nobody to cover. We've got answers and nobody with questions. And so they're going to come in the church naked and bruised and wounded. And we're going to say, we've been waiting on you. Thank you, Jesus. Fall, but don't hide. Fall, but don't hide. Fall, but don't hide. Woo! It's all right, y'all. I know you don't trust us sometimes, but just, just try it sometimes. I challenge you to come up in my office where it's scary. Brother, I challenge you to come in there humble. I'm not trying to fight. 
But humble and hungry, because I can't help nobody that's just there to fight. Come humble and hungry and say, here's what I've got. I'm opening myself up next. And I'm going to say, thank God you came. Because I got a blanket right here that I've been praying God will let me put over somebody. I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you talked about that pornography addiction. I understand it, but I'm covered now, and I can help you get covered too. I know you got anger issues, but I've had anger issues. You think I'm scared of naked folks? No, I'm not. I've got a covering. God's not scared of naked people. Neither should you be. Bring him in. So, so fall, but just don't hide, church family. To all your friends out there, it's okay, you fail, it's all right. Just don't hide. You know what? You know what your friends are scared to do? They know they're wrong, but they're scared to come to church. You know why? Because traditionally, church is a place that uncovers things. They're afraid. People are afraid to come to church. I know it's okay. Try to focus on me. It's all right. Baby's going to cry. People try to come to church, and they're scared of us, right? They're scared because the Word of God is a light. It's a light. But I have a question for you. How can you hide in the light? There is no hiding in the light. And that's why they don't like coming. But here's how you make sure people still come to church even though they know that their sins will be exposed. You let them know it doesn't matter what we find in your life. We will still love you the same. We will still care for you. We will still hug you and hold you and pray with you and give you Bible studies. As long as you want the help, as long as you want the covering, we've got a covering. Let me try to get through some of this that the Lord gave me. Try to calm down some. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We know why it's attempted to hide. Because we fear the consequence of our actions. God warned Adam about the consequences of his action. Not to scare him. I know sometimes we think God is this big mean monster. But God had to let him know what would happen. It was only fair to tell Adam the consequence. How many of you think it's fair to give your kids something to do and not tell them the consequence and just surprise them later? Well, you didn't clean your room. You can't go to Disney for 10 years. I didn't even know that was the consequence. If I had known there was a consequence, I would know how serious you were. So God had to give Adam a consequence to prove this meant a lot to him. Look, God wants a relationship with Adam. And so, so God told him not to scare him, but rather to help him understand the gravity of the moment. See, when you choose yourself, you choose to disconnect from God. And he was teaching Adam, if you go pick the fruit off that tree, you're choosing yourself. And you can't have a relationship with someone if you keep picking yourself. So if you go pick yourself, you don't pick me. If you pick yourself, you'll lose me. But that's your choice to make because love has to have a choice or it's robotic. And that's why there was choice in the garden and that's why there's a hell because there has to be a consequence. There has to be an opposite of heaven. There has to be a with God and without God. So he told him and he warned him. We think if we hide, we just won't get caught We don't have to deal with the consequence. But the Bible says this, ladies and gentlemen, be sure your sins will find you out. 
You will get caught eventually. You'll drop your guard one day. Someone will check your email. Someone will check your phone. You will slip. It will get caught. My daddy taught me, son, when I catch you sneaking around deceiving me, I'm going to whoop you like you've been doing it for 10 years. Here's what my dad was trying to say. Deceivers usually have been deceiving for a long time. It's just when they let the guard down or they do enough deceiving, they get caught. So that's why we don't always consequence off of the thing that they got caught doing. We consequence after the way that they have been. You got to remember that when you're talking about the kingdom of God. Because sometimes you're like, I can't believe Pastor did that off of that one thing. I would never do something off one thing. I would make a decision off of multiple things. I make a decision off of the spirit behind it. Yeah, that's spiritual thinking. You can't think like a business. We're church is not a business. You don't, you don't like miss your quota and get fired. We're not a business. We're a spiritual body. That's how it works. We measure things through the spirit, through the intention, through deception. So that's what's happening here. Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And we think, well, I'll just run. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just get out of here. I'll just divorce. It's too tough to fix. Uh, it, it'll be better somewhere else with somebody else. Uh, I'll just get out of here. Uh, you know, that's what we do. But, but Satan, Satan is there. Temptation is there too. And we, wherever you go, it's there. And so the temptation is, uh, I don't want to deal with the consequence. So you know what I'll do? It's be easier just to get out of this situation the problem is the devil will be there wherever you end up with whoever you end up marrying again. The devil will be there in that relationship, and so will temptation. It ain't going to go anywhere. You can't escape it. The best thing to do is just stop hiding. The best thing to do is stop hiding. How do you know if you're hiding? Good question. This isn't just a physical thing I'm talking about. It's spiritual first, and it manifests into the physical. Number one, a lack of desire to be around God's spirit and God's body. You know when you start to feel like you don't really want to go to church. Why? You're hiding. I still love God. No, I know you do. You love God, but you love yourself too. I'm hiding now. I want you to know this. This is important. Whenever you back off prayer, that's, that's connecting to God's spirit. When you back off the Bible studies and reading the Word of God, you know that you're trying to hide and get away from God's presence. So you don't want Him to see you because if He sees you, He might catch you. I'll just slip away. Spiritual leadership. We get away from pastor. Get further away. We don't want to hang out. Yeah, we just try to go the other way because we don't want anything to come up. Anybody with prophetic gifts. We, you know, when I was a young person, y'all don't know about this, but when I was a young person and the prophet would come into church, we would all repent before service. And as soon as he was gone, we go back to sinning. <laughs> but I tell you right now, we knew that man would call us out. We sat on the front row, but on that Sunday, the second row was where we was at. We was trying to find the second row because they'd be walking through. Just You felt like they were just feeling stuff, like could smell it like some kind of weird sixth sense on us. I remember one time this brother came in. He was prophesying to everybody, and he was calling everybody out for all their sins and everything. And this one of my buddies went to the movie theater. He messed up, went to the movie theater because it was like against our rules, but we didn't know. It was kind of one of them awkward things like, should we go or should we not? I don't think they used to go, but can we go now? And then so we didn't know. You know, some of y'all are there right now. You're like, what do we do? So we, we assumed we shouldn't go because we had heard it through the grapevine. We had heard it through gossip that you probably shouldn't go. Pastor be mad. 
and Pastor Ray never said anything about it. We just, you know, whatever. I, I digress. So here we are. And, and my, friend, my friend Jonah is so funny because he's like 6'5 and like 300 pounds. And a uh, good friend to have. Yeah, I'll tell you a story about that another day. But anyway, he's, uh, he's, he's good in the fight. So anyway, here I am on the front row. And he walks over to him and points at him and uh, looks at him and says something. I didn't hear it. I found out later. He was like, God told me he went to the movie theater last night. Look, if, if we ain't supposed to do it, why is God telling people that it was wrong? I mean, I don't have a lot of Bible on some stuff. I just have some things like that. And I'm just like, maybe we should be careful. The prophet found out about it, you know? You pray about that. Some of you are like, oh, man, I wanted to go see the new one this weekend, you know? Y'all are so scared. But, but that's kind of how I look at some stuff like that. I don't have Bible for it, but the prophet heard about it and felt it, and God told him, so whatever. And so, man, he was praying through like crazy that night. Y'all should have seen him on the floor because God read his mail, man. Maybe that hasn't ever happened to you. It's going to happen. It's coming back to the church, by the way. It's going to have to come back to the church. I didn't even plan on telling that story, but I think it's good that I did because that is our history. That's why there is a church right now. I know some of y'all been abused by some stuff like that, but we ain't going to throw it all out just because some of y'all got abused by the bad ones. We're going to do it the right way with love, not trying to hurt somebody because they're naked, but we're trying to expose sin so we can cover them. So he prayed through all night long, and I did too. <laughs> I prayed through because I didn't want to read my mail. <laughs> Oh, man, it was, it was crazy. That's why we do it, y'all. We don't want to get caught. We're so afraid of getting caught. Uh, here's some other things that why we hide. Um, when, we, when we start to preach at church, you kind of start to tune out, make excuses, and say, he's not talking to me. He's not talking to me. He's talking to somebody else. That's not for me. And that's us trying to hide from the Word of God. Um, when you're confronted, you get really, really nervous and on edge. You know how... <laughs> Of course, it, some things are just always nervous. I mean, there's no such thing as kind of see you in the office and it's like, I'm probably getting a raise. <laughs> you know? Anytime the pastor does kind of see you in the office, you think you did something wrong. And sometimes it may be a good conversation. But we get nervous sometimes whenever it's like, can I, can I meet with you? Can I talk with you? Sometimes we'll expect the worst. But if you are living right, you have nothing to hide. Right? Am I right? So, so if you are living right, and that's why we're supposed to live right. If we live right, then there is no fear of spiritual authority in your life. Because you're trying to live right the best you can. And that means that meeting will probably be about what else you can do to grow in God. Not about what you've done wrong in God. So live right. Live with a pure heart. Live confessional. Live open. Stop hiding, because if you don't like those meetings and you're nervous all the time, you're like, I don't want to ever have to get around it, then it could be that you're trying to hide. Hiding can feel, let's talk about what it feels like. Hiding can feel like guilt and shame. Lack of worth. I'm not worthy. I'm not important. You start to feel that way, and that makes you want to become a recluse. You start to hide. Biblically speaking, you feel naked. You've lost your covering. The only way to get your covering back is to get close to God's authority. That's it. If you make a mistake, run towards the pastor. Not away. Run towards men of God. Not away. How do you think I've made it all these years? I've got great men of God, even women of God in my life that I run to. They know all my business. 
I don't hide anything from those people. Deepest, darkest secrets. And then we pray and we counsel and we get it fixed. I've learned to run towards the men of God. Pastor, how can we be anointed? And by the way, all of y'all can be anointed. I'm, I'm your example. I'm not just your leader. I'm your example. You can have the same anointing. You can preach just like me. You can preach better than me. You can work in the gifts of the Spirit. You can hear from God. I'm the example. That's all. Y'all all right tonight? We good? All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. So, so you feel naked. You feel exposed. And that's when you pick your phone up and say, can we talk? That's when you run to the altar and say, Pastor, come here, let's pray. I don't feel covered. You feel, let me go a little further, you feel attacked. Because if you have no covering, you have no one protecting you. There's been times when I haven't been a great spiritual leader of my home. I know you're probably shocked at that. But my wife has felt uncovered. My wife has been under attack. Now we realize what's happening. What's happening is when she's under attack, I got to go to prayer. I tell you, I finally have figured out that there's some things you don't fix with talking. That has been my issue for a long time. I confess. I am the talker in the relationship. She is the walk-awayer. I am the chaser, talker. She's the walk-awayer, leave me alone. And so that's how it's worked in the past. But I have seen personally what it's like to have someone under submission not have covering. And I know what it looks like, and I can see it in some of you. But you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. You can come close and get your covering back. You can come close and confess and feel the anointing coming back on your life. And God begin to bless you financially, bless you mentally, bless you in all kinds of ways. You do it God's way and he will bless you. All right, let's go through this. We're almost there. So, so guess what God really wants to do? He wants to cover us again. God doesn't want to kill us. He wants to cover us. God would rather die than have you die. My main mission as your pastor is to cover you against the onslaught of hell. My main mission as a spiritual authority is to fight and to pray and to believe that God is going to cast out and cover every single one of you under attack. And together we can win. Let me tell you a cool story. My pastor, uh, Brother Sharp, who preached for us one time, it was a miracle how I ever got connected to him. I was with him this past week praying and seeking. By the way, my wife and I will be going to Oklahoma City from time to time. And when we're there, we don't, we don't just play golf or anything. I didn't play golf at all. We don't play. We spend time with our mentors and we have, we have church with them. We, we fellowship. We talk. I ask questions. We pray. Uh, speak in tongues. All of that. That's what we do when we're gone, just so you know, okay? So when you hear I go to Oklahoma City, it's ministry for us, which is going to come back to you. Some of you might see a little something in me different tonight because of that right there. And so that's what we get when we go. That's that covering. But my main mission, oh, this is what I was going to tell you. So he said he's up here on the platform. I don't know. I might get back here from the platform and sit again. There's something about sitting on the platform you can see better. But this, this is something I thought about recently. Is he said, I sit on the platform, and he said, I've got spiritual authority. And he said, I see demons when they walk into church. He said, I see them come in. Y'all might not think that's real, but it, 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 their churches grow and they have revival, and it must be real because it works. And he said, I see them coming in. He said, while they're coming in, we're worshiping, everybody's worshiping, no one else sees them. He said, I see them because I'm the spiritual authority of the house. He said, I tell them to leave. He said, we're all worshiping and everything. Everybody doesn't know, no one knows what I'm doing. He said, I'm telling them to go. 
He said, you know how you have liberty in church service? He said, you get them spirits out. And he said, I'm speaking to those things as they come in, and all of a sudden you'll have breakthroughs happen in the church because he said, I'm talking to them, and I'm telling them, you get out of here. We might not be ready for all that. That's fine, but it's where we're headed. So I'm just going to go ahead and cast some vision for it. There's going to be things that you, you and I are like, why can't we break free? And then all of a sudden we're going to be able to do it. And you're going to see that this is all real. We're not going to change anything, music and all this stuff. You know what's going to change? Everything that changes, the spirit and the authority is going to change. That's what's going to happen. Prayer, fasting, all of this is going to change one day. So my number one job and my goal is to cover you against hell. But I can't cover the hidden. And I can't cover the disconnected. And one of the reasons why I say, where were you? Is because I can't do my job if we're not close. Here's another way I look at it. I'm getting beat to shreds for y'all. I kind of like to see people at church. Maybe don't believe that either. I didn't believe it until I became pastor. But it's for real. If I'm the covering, I get hit first. And so the reason why you care and you want people to be at church is because you feel like God gave you a word for this church. And everyone that's not here tonight, it's just not the same. It's not the same to be in the room. We can't really connect the same. And so my number one job is to help cover you spiritually because I can't be with you every day when you're working out there, whatever you do with your painted hands, Saul. I see your white painted hands. You've been painting today or something, doing drywall. Saul's back here. He's, I saw him earlier. Whatever you do all day while you're painting, guess what? You're covered just like that wall. Some of y'all didn't catch it. You paint a wall, you cover it. Oh, you're right. It wasn't that funny. Don't laugh at that. You got me on that one. People will say, uh, Pastor, you're my pastor. But the people that say that, sometimes you're, I'm like, they never have confessed their struggles to me. They never have asked for help. But yet, somehow, I'm their helper. I think I'm more your preacher. But I'm called to be a pastor. There's no preacher in the fivefold ministry. I want to connect to people. And I want to help people that want to be helped. And I have noticed that people who won't confess their struggles and they won't ask for help, it seems like over the course of months or years, they start to drift and get cold. And all of a sudden, you get a phone call, I think I'll be gone, or you don't get a phone call. You just never see them again. And you got to say, I've been seeing it coming. Because we never work close. Yet those that are closest to us, talking to us the most, hanging out, opening up, they're getting promoted. God's blessed them financially. God's blessed them with miracles, signs, and wonders. Why does it happen that way? Because of the covering. Because there's no shame. Go ahead and talk about it. Get out of the hiding. Let God bless. The majority of people who end up quitting church are hiding and getting worse. There are two things I have noticed. I will mention briefly for you to pray about, sincerely pray about this. There are two things I have noticed that happen before a family backslides or a family quits church. Number one, the man of the home is not spiritual. If you don't believe me, I want you to think of those who have struggled even the past year and ask if the man was spiritual. Think of any situation that happened in our church. Y'all talk. I know y'all do. I've heard about it. Think about it for a second with me. Sincerely, was there a strong man in that relationship or was there a weak man? 
That's what God told me. What am I doing about it? I'm going to give everything I've got for men now. What am I going to do about it now that I know it? I'm not going to rub it in your faces. I'm going to seek God to see men thrive and grow because I'm seeing a pattern. Weak men, eventually the families fall apart. So I am praying and I am fasting and I fast in the day for you. Because I'm believing God is going to raise up strong men for the sake of the wives and the children. We can't keep doing it that way, and I won't keep doing it that way. I'm going after men, and I'm praying, I'm believing. God, help the men. It's usually men that are not present leading spiritually and those who are hiding that really don't make it, don't grow, and are not happy. In my closing, a few remarks. Hiding delays the grace of God. Hiding delays restoration. Hiding delays healing. Are you sick of being hurt? I don't know about you guys, but when I, when I began to talk to my spiritual authority, it was like I couldn't breathe until I got it off my chest. It was like I was carrying this weight, and I didn't know who could help me. Felt so good to sit down with someone who had power and authority in my life and open up to them and come out of hiding saying, this is what I've been through. This is what my struggles have been, but I believe you're going to help me. And it feels so good to hear them say, it's going to be all right, son. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. I leave out of that meeting going, I'm free. I'm free. It feels good. I'm loving my wife. I'm doing better. I'm a better dad. Because I've delayed so long, hiding, trying to keep my status up. Forget the status if you're miserable all the time. Look, I'll tell you right now, if you're trying to minister and you're hiding all the time, you will never minister good because you're miserable all the time. Your ministry will take off and launch so fast if you'll just stop hiding. If you had to take six months and sit on the pew because you had to pray over it and came back in six months, when you come back in six months, you'll probably bypass everybody else on the platform because you've sat down, you've exposed your stuff, and quit hiding secrets. Help us, Holy Ghost. The difference in every single one of these anointings is not the pitch. It's not the practice. It's in how they deal with the hidden things of the heart. The reason why you feel anointing in somebody singing is not because of their voice. It's because they're probably opened up. And boy, there's a great anointing when you're open. There's a great anointing when you're clean. There's a great anointing when you're righteous and you're submissive. That God uses you and speaks through you, and that's the difference of ministry. Look, I love all the ministers of our church. I love you so much. We've got great, great men in our church, and even future women, they're going to come up and speak, and they're going to be great women preachers. They're going to do it the women way. It's going to be powerful. We're working on all of that. But listen to me. You do not have a future of ministry in this church if you're not in submission. I'm not making this stuff up. It's biblical, and my pastor told me it's the only way they grew his church. He said, you never use anybody that doesn't have your ministry spirit. That means whatever vision I have for the church, if you don't share it, we don't have the same DNA, you can't be used. Because you know why? It will sabotage it. We'll be stuck at this number right here. We'll never grow. We'll never reach the city. This is not the will of God for us. 
And so I don't care how good you can speak. I don't care how talented you are with your words. I don't care how good you can sing. None of that matters. That's not going to break the yoke. That's not going to bring revival to our church. What will bring it is the same spirit, making sure we're flowing together and unity, one mind and one accord. That's what matters. You want to have a great anointing on your life? Get this in your vocabulary. What do you think about this, Pastor? I might say, sounds great. You'd be surprised how much power you just got by saying that statement. It's not even about me fixing you. It's just about the spirit of being fixable. God will anoint you. Woo. I had a great talk today with someone, or a brother in our church, that uh, we had a text. You know, sometimes texts don't make sense, and they can make you think that there's something going on that some of y'all have done. <laughs> you know how... I love you, bro. I love you, bro. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Me and Dante know what's up. But uh, sometimes uh, you text, and, and it's like you think someone's saying one thing, but you're like, I better call and make sure. And so I had a brother today that that happened, and uh, I said, I'm, kind of, I'm getting better at y'all. I'm getting better. I'm learning. I have, I'm only been pastor in three years. I'm going to figure it out before it's all over, all right, before the Lord comes back. But I said, I, said, I knew it was going to be an awkward one, so I said, let's talk, which is what you need to do. <laughs> and I called, and we had a great talk. And it started off a little rocky. And I was like, okay, where's this going? Is this going to work out? Jesus, help us. And then after I got some time to explain what I meant, it smoothed out. And before you know it, we're saying, I love you. I love you too, brother. God is so good to us, isn't he? You see how we did it, y'all? You can do it too. You can do it too. You have to expose it. In fact, in that conversation, I, I didn't even know some things that had been happening that were years in the making, that were, were exposed in that conversation, that brought peace to us. And see, you know what the devil says? Don't make the call. It's going to end bad. You're a lying devil. What'd you say to me, devil? Did you just say don't do it? Don't obey the word of God? You just tell me not to obey God's word? You're a lying devil. I will pick the phone up and I will call him right now with the right spirit, uh, with a loving heart. Uh, I will do it the right way. Just tell me I'm not going to do it. I'll do it. Man, y'all, I'm fired up tonight. Y'all better shut me down. In closing, number two, I want to give, I want to give the, the sometimes moments when it's okay to hide real quickly and why. Because we're almost there. This is why we got to start church at 7. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Number one, you have every right to hide when you're hiding from extreme religiosity. Jesus was known to hide from the religious people who tried to kill him. There are some people that are all law and no spirit, and you better get away from them because they're going to kill you. There are some times you need to hide, and you better hide from people that I have it all right here, but nothing right there. Because they're out to kill you. And they'll use the same Bible you do to do it with. That's number one. Number two, you may have to hide from God's past anointed like Saul and David. But the Bible says in the Old Testament that King Saul was trying to kill David. And guess what David did? He said, I will not touch God's anointed. And the Bible says that David ran from Saul because David wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid because David killed 10,000. Saul killed 1,000. He wasn't afraid. He was afraid to touch the man of God. Here's another reason why you should run. Run 
from harming or touching the man of God. You know what David believed? God will bring down the man of God if he's wrong. I'm not touching him. <laughs> In my house, we're going we're gonna to honor the man of God. I don't care what you think. I don't know what he did. God will bring the man down. <laughs> I ain't touching the man. If God ever used them, if God's ever anointed them, if there's ever any case or cause that God's hand is on them, he can make a mistake. It's all right. He's still God's man. Let God deal with the man. If you've got to run, 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 then do it. Because some of the best ministers and best ministries have come from people running, from touching the man of God. I've been there. Lastly, if you're going to hide, oh, man, I got two minutes for this. Hide in Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. Let me read Psalms 91. Oh, Jesus, you're about to move. Psalms 91. Beautiful Bible scripture. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of of the Alm <laughs> Hey, let me tell you this before I read it. My dog, y'all. Thank God for my dog. I got so much preaching material because of my dog. This dog is all bark, no bite. She will, her defense mechanism is urine. That is her defense mechanism. That's all she will do. She'll bark and she will urinate on you and that's it. Y'all, it is crazy what this dog does when she's scared because there have been times I've been around bigger dogs, namely Mia. And these bigger dogs, even though Mia is very friendly, these bigger dogs can seem scary at first. And I remember the first time Jazzy got around these bigger dogs, she thought she was tough until she got up close to them. You know what she did? She got underneath my feet. You know why? She had an instinct because I was the tallest, largest biggest thing around and it was in the instinct of a dog it's in the instinct of a dog a dog to go to the master I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know you're safe in the shadow of the Almighty God. I don't know what's come against you or what hell's come against you, but you're safe in the shadow of God when you're going through hell. Get to church. Call the pastor. Pick up a Bible. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Woo! Nor the arrow of the of the of the flies by day, the flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. doesn't matter if it's during the middle of the day or middle of the night. The Lord will be there for you is what the Bible is saying. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. The safest place is at the feet of Jesus. 
I can't finish it. Lift your hands up right now. The Holy Ghost is here right now. All right, if you feel like praying, I, I spoke to someone tonight in this place. Come as fast as you can down here. Pray with me. I'm going to pray with you. we got to pray tonight. I'm ready. I'm ready. Is anybody ready to pray in the name of Jesus? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now in this place. There's victory. There's authority. It, it may not take five minutes for us to get some victory right now, and you can go on home. But right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray I speak life in this church. I pray God a covering in the name of the Lord. God bless you.